0: Political theory and um, other stuff. Mike and Paul doing it again. Capitalist Hello. realism. Chapter eight, part yep. two. Top of 66. And uh, welcome back to everyone. Hi, mom. <laughs> How's it also, going? Paul? Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously. Our two listeners. Yes. Like, What are these boys talking about? <laughs> super faithful though super yeah.
1: faithful very good people thank you guys yeah we, yeah we, we do it for you, you. We
0: yeah do we do it for you for sure for sure do you wanna um yeah do you wanna let's just start
1: get let's get right into it let's make okay. let's make this a two-parter okay. all right this problem is addressed from another angle in a paper and the problem being kafka's explorations and call center things and Right. You know, that sort yes. of stuff. Uh, this problem is addressed from another angle in a paper by Campbell Jones entitled The Subject Supposed to Recycle. Imposing the question, Who is the subject supposed to recycle? Jones denaturalizes an imperative that is now so taken for granted that resisting it seems senseless, never mind unethical. Everyone is supposed to recycle. No one, whatever their political persuasion, ought to resist this injunction. The demand that we recycle is precisely posited as pre or post-ideological imperative. In other words, it is positioned in precisely the space where ideology always does its work. But the subject supposed to recycle, Jones argued, presuppose the structure not supposed to recycle. In making recycling the responsibility of everyone, structure contracts out its responsibility to consumers, by itself receding into indivisibility. Now, when the appeal to individual ethical responsibility has never been more clamorous in her book, Frames of War, Judith Butler uses the term "responsibilization" to refer to this phenomenon. It is necessary to wager instead on structure at its most totalizing. Instead of saying that everyone, i.e. every one, the first everyone was one word, the second one was two words. uh, With uh,
0: one italicized rather than uh, every, yeah. Yep. Right. Everyone
1: is responsible for climate change. We all have to do our bit. It would be better to say that no one is, and that's the very problem. The cause of eco-catastrophe is an impersonal structure which, even though it is capable of producing all manner of effects, is precisely not a subject capable of exercising responsibility. The required subject, a collective subject, does not exist. Yet the crisis, like all other global crises we're now facing, demands that it be constructed. Yet the appeal to ethical immediacy that has been in place in British political culture since at least 1985 when the consensual sentimentality of live aid replaced the antagonism of the minor strikes permanently defers the emergence of such a subject. I mean, this is something you and I talk about constantly outside of the podcast, I would say, and maybe constantly, it's exaggeration, but that we've talked about numerous times. Uh, we do talk about other things outside of this podcast <laughs> in this particular subject, uh, sometimes. Uh, But it is, it's that sense that like, individuals need to feel the guilt and burden of climate change when the control of it, at least in my opinion, is way out of their hands. And it gets caught, people fight, it gets people caught up fighting for kind of ineffectual ends, uh, as opposed to fighting the systemic problems that are causing this shit. Like, yes, are plastic straws a fucking nuisance and do they suck? They really do. Are plastic straws the reason we're in this predicament? not even fucking close. And back to recycling, like my, I get in trouble for this all the time, so y'all can hate me. It's fine. I recycle everything. I'm super into recycling. But in the back of my head, I get this concept that recycling is what pushes a consumer throwaway culture. Uh, Recycling is still just me taking a package and throwing it away and never thinking about it again. Now, hopefully it's reused, hopefully shit's 85% post-consumer reused, but that's still an energy cost and that's still pollution put into the air to achieve those things. And without recycling, uh, I feel like people would have to absorb that guilt a little bit more. And maybe we could get back to like reusable containers and not having to throw everything away we use after using it one time. So once again, I'm not trying to say recycling sucks. Everybody recycle. It is better than the current alternative. But I, do, I just get worried that like it's not the answer, though. Like if everything is still disposable, we're going to encounter these problems whether it's tomorrow or 10 weeks or 10 years from now because it was able to recycle five times
0: yeah and i would argue that this is an area where i see a distinction between liberals and or or progressives and neoliberals versus leftists think about like uh, emmanuel macron doing his gas tax right and how that caused a big issue and because the problem is not or the main source of the problem is not the average person driving their economy car. Right. Right. The, the problem is the corporations and the militaries. And it blows my mind that people like NATO still do military exercises where, U.S. troops and British troops are flown all the way to fucking eastern, the Eastern Europe area, like Latvia and Estonia, to run around in the snow while our jets cruise overhead. And, you know, they shoot like laser beams at each other or whatever. Like, that's just crazy to me. The amount of uh, fossil fuels used is just mind-blowing, you know?
1: Especially since we really are at a point where a lot of that shit, maybe not the groundwork, but could be done with VR like you really need to train
0: yeah um but seriously like jets in my opinion and i'm obviously not an expert (coughs) but pilots should not be they should maybe be in the air like once every couple of years for like a few minutes or something they're required
1: i don't know the exact requirement and i think you pointed this out to me or maybe it was just a different rabbit hole it was an article about i think uh a jet pilot dying during one of the blue angels shows and people being like this is okay, this is fucking super unnecessary. Why do we even have these people flying it? And that's my thought. Like, dude, yeah, we don't need to be wasting this much money for a bunch of fucking Midwesterners to sit in grandstands and be like, wow.
0: Well, um And I'll tell you, they maybe not Blue Angels, but some jets flew over by my house. Yeah. And, dude, I immediately was like, oh, cool. You know, <laughs> because that <laughs> oh, is like that oh. is like total fucking cultural hegemony, like fucking just being immersed in capitalist realism. And I'm not
1: going to pretend that in its form has what it does, that a jet isn't fucking badass. And right?
0: impressive, for sure. Re- it really
1: yeah. is. But is it necessary? Uh, not right. for anything that I can think of, especially having like more than one just to figure out what it does. All the counter arguments in the thread were like, oh, but they have to have a certain amount of hours each year to maintain their pilot's license. So this just isn't a useless exercise. It's so the pilot can maintain his license. And I was like, that's a fucking super circular argument. (laughs) Why is he required to have all of those hours uh, on something that doesn't need to be used? But you got to justify 1.2 trillion a year or whatever somehow. And if you're not well yeah. that in fossil
0: fuel. Well and it sucks because and this goes back to the like the the imagination thing that Fisher talks about, but because uh liberals and, and progressives and whatever cannot see a world outside of the current situation, they bring it back and, and they're being sincere and genuine, but they're like, yeah, you know, people just need to like ride their bikes more and people need to recycle, you know, you need to um, not own a truck and whatever. And then you have, uh, you, then, you know, people that are like, you know, they call themselves apolitical. They're not very engaged in politics and they're like, yeah, I mean, I want to care, but I love my, uh, uh, my motor sports. I enjoy, you know, going to the track and whatever. And since my only two options are either, being on the Republican side and ignoring climate change or being on the democratic side and, you know, getting a Prius, I'm going to go with the Republicans. And it's like, Oh man, dude, I'm telling you there's another way. And I, I, I I promise you that there are people out there that do not, that care about climate change that don't want to take your, your day at the track away at all. Yeah. What we want to take away is, fucking the military is doing their exercises and these corporations forcing us to only have one option and that one option being the um the consumption of fossil fuels right.
1: does exactly. that make sense oh 100 and you know just like quick ideas for people thinking we're insane like uh a more bust high-speed rail system so that yeah. goods don't need to be on semis all the time so that fuck it you know i mean yep. there are so many things that can be done that would have drastic drastic decreases in carbon output yeah without having to inherently attack your lifestyle and Uh, i'll
0: I'll say another one too and i know this is a hot take and this is like a lot of people are not happy about this this take from me in fact i had uh philip kaufman uh, and i had a little twitter interaction about this but i'm also Uh, all about encouraging people and by encouraging I don't mean by the government I mean just culturally encouraging people to adopt rather than have their own children and to have contraceptive stuff as accessible as possible I think and 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 why people get um, sketched out by that take is often that take is like kind of an eco-fascist take where these people are like, oh, well, we need the brown people to be having less children. Yeah. Obviously, brown people have the most children right now because it's the developed wor- or developing world. But I'm in favor of everyone, uh, including white people, just adopting uh, until there aren't any orphans and, and then yeah. going from there. I don't see any need to have children at this moment. If we could cut our population in half, not immediately, I'm not talking about genociding people, but just like having people naturally die off in a generation or two, that would be super beneficial. Unbelievably
1: beneficial. The other thing is with contraceptives, conservatives will never agree with contraceptives because the point is that sex is fucking wrong. Right. You know,
0: contraceptives are still allowing you to do that nasty, nasty shit. Mm -hmm. Um without well, consequence it's also uh, it's not even about sex being nasty it's about women having sex right yes, yes. because they're yep. they're not like they're into viagra they're not into like you know they want yeah. to jail women for having abortions but there's no conversation about well should the man that mm-hmm. impregnated her should he go to jail too i can't remember where i saw there it, are
1: questions I- about whether he has the right to tell her not to have an abortion though right so. right <laughs> yeah
0: for sure Uh, I saw somewhere a uh, congressman or some representative being asked, but what about people that are doing like embryo and and stem cell research? Because oftentimes those embryos like die. What about those scientists? So should those scientists be jailed too? When, when these embryos die, the representative was like, no, well, I don't see the connection. And it just blows my mind that like, as soon as it's in a woman's womb, then it is a sacred life and blah, blah, blah. But if it's in a test tube, then it's okay. you know. And yeah. it's clear because when he when he thinks scientists, he sees a man and he's like, well, it's that's fine. But as soon as it's a woman's deal, then it's not okay. And I'm going completely absurd here. But say in 20 years, they invent the home womb
1: and I can make my own baby in my living room. Uh, yeah. I guarantee you I'll be allowed to cut that shit if I don't want to. Right. If I'm like two months into my home womb, I'm like, mm. Yep thought i was ready just lost my job pulling the plug on the home womb it totally nobody would give a shit uh
0: will you keep uh, will you knock the next one out yeah yeah i'll read
1: till the middle
0: of page 67 okay
1: uh similar issues are touched on in a paper by Armin beverungen on alec Pakula's 1974 film blacks view have not seen that sorry folks uh which sees the parallax view as providing a kind of diagram in which a certain model of parentheses business and parentheses ethics goes wrong. The problem is that the model of individual responsibility assumed by most versions of ethics have little purchase on the behavior of capital or corporations. The parallax view is in a sense a meta conspiracy film, a film not only about conspiracies, but about the impotence of attempts to uncover them or much worse than that, about the way in which particular kinds of investigation feed the very conspiracies they intend to uncover. It is not only that the Warren Beatty character is framed slash killed for the crime he is investigating, neatly eliminating him and undermining his investigations with one pull of a corporate assassin's trigger. It's that, as Jameson noted in his commentary on the film, in the geopolitical aesthetic, his very tenacity, quasi-sociopathic individualism, make him eminently framable.
0: Okay. That's um an
1: interesting take.
0: I want to uh to write down that uh Jameson book as a possible look into for the future. I mean I feel like if this dude is just constantly fucking cited, I feel yeah. like uh, it, probably... it might be worth checking out his shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I also have be... a feeling his shit is probably like fucking not only this dense but also like a thousand pages you know well think how many words of the day we could get right right (laughs) so we've been working on this book now for three years this is the (laughs) three-year mark we're halfway through Uh. oh my god uh the terrifying climactic moment of the parallax view when the silhouette of of betty's Beatty, like, uh... Beatty. I think. Okay. Beatty. Uh, okay. The silhouette of Beatty's anonymous assassin appears against migraine white space. So just, like, piercing white, I guess. Yeah. Just, like... Okay. Shut the windows, you know? Right, too right, right, too right, right, right. Okay. Here. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the, the terrifying, uh, terrifying climatic moment of the parallax view when the silhouette of Beatty's Anonymous assassin appears against a migraine white space. For me, it now rhymes with the open door at the end of a very different film, Peter Viner's The Truman Show. Is that Viner? Viner or Vare, maybe. Okay, okay. Uh, Peter Peter Vare's The Truman Show, but where the door in the horizon opening onto black space at the end of Sorry, you just said it. I'm guessing it's Vare. I Ver. should know because okay. I actually
1: really like this movie and obviously have okay. not looked into it enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the end of Vare's film con- connotes a break in a universe of, t- of total determinism, the nothingness of which existentialist freedom depends. Uh, mm-hmm. The parallax views, and then this is in quotes, final open door opens onto a world conspiratorially organized and controlled as far as the eye can see and quotes Jameson the anonymous figure with a rifle in a doorway is the closest we can get to seeing the conspiracy as itself uh the conspiracy in the parallax view never gives an account of itself it is never focalized through a single malign individual what is that malign malign. okay Um, I feel like bad.
1: I can't remember. Yeah, okay. like I'm maligned. Yeah, like I'd say almost like other people think they're bad, or people have just like
0: oh, okay, it,
1: bad nature is assumed okay. by others. I think like he's been ill, maligned, or
0: okay. Know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, it is ne- uh, never focalized through a single malign individual, although presumably corporate, the interests and motives of the conspiracy in the parallax view are never. Articulated, perhaps not even to or by those actually involved in it who knows what the parallax corporation really wants it is it itself situated in the parallax between politics and economy is it a commercial front for political interests or is the whole machinery of government of government a front for it It's not clear if the corporation really exists more than that. It is not clear if its aim is to pretend that it doesn't exist uh, or to pretend that it does. There are certainly conspiracies in capitalism, but the problem is not that they are themselves only possible because of a deeper level or because of deeper level structures that allow them to function. Does anyone really think, for instance, that things would improve if we replace the whole managerial and banking class with a whole new set of, in quotes, better people? Surely, on the contrary, it is evident that the vices are engendered by the structure, and that while the structure remains, the vices will reproduce themselves. The strength of Pakula's film is precisely to invoke the shadowy centerless uh, in personality proper to a corporate conspiracy. As Jameson observes, what Pakula captures so well in Parallax View is a particular kind of corporate uh, affective tonality. And then this is a quote from Jameson. It says, for the agents of conspiracy, uh, Sorge? Sure. I don't know what is is that someone's name or you know the word following it doesn't help me at all either. <laughs>
1: um, um yeah, I don't know if that's that like two word? names for the same character in one film. Uh let's, let's look at yeah, let's look some stuff up. This may or may not be a word of the day. We're right. so ignorant, we don't even know. <laughs> uh let's do it. Also just typed in goggle.com. took me to google. Perfect.
0: When cool. I type when I typed in Conor, it asked me if I was saying concern. Concern, right. Yeah. Yes. So that uh, might be if I someone's him? name. Richard Sorge is also a real person, but I don't know if that's who they're talking about. So <laughs> I I would, we would assume that um, Sorge was the character and Conor was the actor's last name, maybe? Yeah, that seems okay. really good. Okay. That seems really good. I like that. Okay. Um, So, Sorge, in brackets, Koner, is a matter of smiling confidence, uh, uh, and the preoccupation is not personal, but corporate. Concern for the vitality of the network or the institution, a disembodied distraction or inattentiveness, engaging the absent space of the collective organization itself without the clumsy conjectures that sap the energies of the victims. These people know and are therefore able to invest their presence as characters in in intense yet complacent attention whose center of gravity is elsewhere. A rapt intentness uh, which is at the same time disinterested. Yet this very different time of concern, equally depersonalized, carries its own specific anxiety with it. As it were, unconsciously and and corporately, without any consequences for the individual villains. So fucked up. I mean, that
1: is maybe not the true essence, but a huge part of why I feel helpless when I feel helpless. It's just like, this is just a chain of shit that nobody will ever have justice you know metered out in an appropriate fashion in our lifetimes big banks have gotten in trouble bad faith actors have gotten in trouble but not in trouble that is of consequence to them if that makes sense like yeah dude if you find me 15 million dollars or whatever i would be so fucked that would ruin my life i'd never get out of it that would be you know, an unbelievable punishment to me, especially if there were consequences uh, for me not paying it back. But when you find Apple or a fucking large oil company, $15 million, that's not a real punishment. That is literally less than the profit. Nine times out of 10, that is considerably less than the profit they made off of the illegal activity that they participated in. Just, it feels helpless when you're just like, okay, this is the system that we're in and nobody's ever going to like, the CEO is still the same after the consequence, you know, all that shit just usually is uh, to no effect whatsoever. And that $15 million fine, it's not going to the people that got fucked. It's just going to, you know, an arbitrary, sometimes in lawsuits, that's not the case, but that's not usually, that's not what I'm talking about, I guess.
0: So I'm going to f- do this next little mm-hmm. um, paragraph and then you can finish her off without any consequences for the indiv- individual villains. How that phrase resonates just now. After the deaths of Jean Charles de M- Menezes. M- Menezes and 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 Ian uh, Tommelson, and after the banking fiasco, and uh, what Jameson is describing here is the mortifying cocoon of corporate structure, which deadens as it protects, which hollows out absence, the manager ensures that their attention is always displaced, ensures that they cannot listen. The delusion that many who enter into management with high hopes is precisely that they, the individual, can change things, that they will not repeat what their managers had had done that things will be different this time. But watch someone step into management and it's usually not very long before the gray petrification of power starts to subsume them. It is here that structure is palpable. You can practically see it taking people over. Here it's deadened and slash dead of deadening judgments speaking through them it's
1: yeah that's deep and i would and probably he'll talk about this right afterwards with everything i talk about it's also to me like when i got into quote-unquote management positions or whatever you also realize that like that's not a position with a lot of authority um you are a manager yes but you're a manager with a very strict set of guidelines what i started to realize like was like Holy shit! My manager wasn't an asshole. This company is an asshole. Like I have to do all of these things, or I can't keep this job. And that was the situation they were in. Obviously, well, not obviously. I'm not exactly sure why. In managerial positions, I just felt compelled never to tell them that. And you know, my bosses would always be like, "Well, you can't just blame it on the company. Like you have to make them understand why we need to do this." And you know, like shit like that. And if you don't understand it yourself, it just becomes such a fucking depressing. And I've never been, clearly, I've never been high enough in a power structure to be like making determinations or decisions, you know. I just have been high enough up to make sure to enforce those with people that are supposedly lesser on a power structure or a uh, chain of command list or whatever.
0: Well, and I would almost say that what we've just read kind of talks, kind of alludes to the fact that there is no one that is right. high enough up even if you're the ceo it's like oh well you know the board and the right. um the shareholders they they need this from me you know and blah blah yeah. blah. yeah the um, only thing
1: high enough up is profit i guess yeah like so fucked up let's, let's bring her on home uh, for this reason it is a mistake to rush to impose the individual ethical responsibility that the corporate structure deflects this is the de- temptation of the ethical which as zizek has argued the capitalist system is using in order to protect itself in the wake of the credit crisis. The blame that will be put on supposedly pathological individuals, those abusing the system, rather than on the system itself. The innovation is actually a two-step procedure, since structure will often be invoked either implicitly or openly, precisely at the point when there is the possibility of individuals who belong to the corporate structure being punished. At this point, suddenly, the causes of abuse or atrocity are so systemic, so diffuse, that no individual can be held responsible. This was what happened when the Hillsborough football disaster, the Jean-Charles de Menendez, Menenez farce, and so many other cases. Uh, de Menenez was just a, a banker on vacation in London, and he got shot because they thought he was a terrorist. Okay. And then that previous name they dropped, the Ian Tomlinson, that dude was a newspaper bender, like stocked newspaper stands and shit like that. Uh, and during the G20 protests, he was killed by police just because he was doing his job. Okay. So he's just saying like, and no real punishments were ever uh, metered out. Uh, okay, this is what happened with the Hillsborough football disaster the jean charles de menendez far sorry i 'm so sorry jean charles i, I don 't know how to say your name, uh, and so many other cases, but this impasse it is only individuals that can be held ethically responsible for actions, and yet the cause of these abuses and errors is corporate systemic is not only a dissimulation it precisely indicates what is lacking in capitalism what agencies are ca- what agencies are capable of regulating and controlling impersonal structures how is it possible to chastise a corporate structure yes corporations can be legally be treated as individuals but the problem is that corporations whilst certainly entities are not like individual humans and any analogy between punishing corporations and punishing individuals will therefore necessarily And it is not as if corporations are the deep level agents behind everything. They are themselves constrained by slash expressions of the ultimate cause that is not a subject capital. That's what you were saying
0: about profit. That's what you were saying about profit. And When
1: I say those things for everybody out there, I'd like to pretend it's just because I'm smart enough. I naturally come to them. It's because I read these chapters and then just pretend that i came up to that idea and then i'm like oh nope that idea came from reading this chapter perfect <laughs> <laughs> but dude my fucking they are uh, things i've thought about before the book and stuff right right but he totally. puts it
0: so much more eloquently and makes sure that it's like brought up into my mind when and I and he puts it so much more succinctly. Let's yes. Be real. Oh God. If 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 oh, you wait, and I tried to write am not succinct. I've never heard that before. I've <laughs> never. But this does drive me insane. The fucking uh, hyphens again. Why yeah. is cause that is not a subject all hyphenated into like one word? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, <coughs> it would be awesome if we could somehow get s- someone someone that has like a doctorate in, in grammar well i
1: know when you hyphen it is to emphasize the point that you are trying to convey these as like one okay. thing but what it really does is just make me confused when i read out loud i'm like cause that is not a subject capital right but maybe i should right. be like cause that is not a subject capital i don't
0: right all right dude well that is the end of chapter 8 we have uh, one chapter left, chapter nine. I think it's going to be at least a two-parter. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm excited that we're, um, we're wrapping this up here. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm excited to, to kind of talk about the book in its totality. Yeah. So uh, next episode, we will be doing a chapter nine capitalist realism called Marxist Super Nanny starting on page 71. And this uh, reality show this year. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And I'm uh you know, look forward to diving in into that chapter. We'll see, see you all next time. Thanks. Have a great day. This is Mike here. I am sure this isn't the first time this has happened, but it is the first time I have noticed it while editing. So I figured I would record an outro addressing it. Early on in the episode, Paul mentions recycling and how it perpetuates throwaway culture. I add that this, an example I'm about to give, is what separates liberals slash progressives and neoliberals from leftists. Then I start to give my example. But I got distracted talking about militaries, and before you know it, Paul and I are talking about Blue Angel pilots using VR, rather than doing actual flight time. So, I will complete my statement now. The PM of France did his, and I'm talking about Emmanuel Macron here, did his gas tax that everyone got pissed about because for people like him, the solution to climate change is recycling, riding your, your bike to work, driving an electric car, and getting solar panels on your roof non-leftists think about it on an individual level and put the blame and responsibility on the individual whereas leftists understand that the blame and the responsibility is and should be put at the feet of major corporations and major militaries structural changes are needed climate change isn't going to be solved by shaming a single mother of 3 into becoming vegan or telling a student that they should ride their bike to and from school and their job or telling people they shouldn't fly because it's bad for the environment i think that's a crucial difference between non left non leftists that are people that are left leaning center left progressives and and liberals, the difference between them and leftists, if you will, anti-capitalist leftists or, or, or whatever, people that are further left. It is not about the individual. It is about structural change. And I can see that these people that are center left, meaning they're closer to the right, they still fetishize the individual rather than looking at structural change. So I felt like that was important. I wanted to cover it. That's why I did this outro. I hope that makes sense. And I hope you all have a good day.